Welcome back to the Sisters in Sustainability podcast. I am your host, Victoria Lynn. Every week, we are joined by a new woman that is working to change the world. This week, we are looking at Sustainable Development Goal 2, Zero Hunger, as we are joined by Cassandra Pinataro. Cassandra, thank you so much for being here with all of us. We are so grateful to have you here. If you wouldn't mind taking a second to introduce yourself and let everybody know what it is that you do. Hi, thank you again for having me today on the podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, so yes, so my name is Cassandra Bernataro. I am currently based in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, formerly, I was Miss Boston 2022. I was going to school up in Boston, so I was living in the Massachusetts area and was loving working on food insecurity and healthy living up there. I am a big advocate for a healthy lifestyle as well as intuitive eating and the like. Um, I'm an opera singer, which is what brought me up to Boston in the first place, but I'm also a pop artist, which is what brought me down to Nashville. Uh, and here I'm very lucky to be in Miss Music City 2023, and I had a great time at Miss Tennessee this past year, and my whole reign has been really about my initiative called Feed Your Future, and that bridges the intersection between healthy eating and food insecurity, because I think it's a privileged conversation, if you will, if we're talking about healthy eating, people don't even have food in the house. Um, so I've been very fortunate to get a chance to work on that and feed over 300,000 homes across America already. So excited to keep going. What inspired you to get involved with your community service initiative? Absolutely. So I, when I was a young girl, I was told I was nearly obese. Basically at the age of 11, I had a doctor come in and say, you know, if you don't put yourself on a diet, we will, um, which was really jarring as a little girl to hear that. And so I was an athlete as well when I was working. I was a tournament tennis player my whole life. Um, and I wanted to get into national circuits and play on the varsity team when I was just in middle school. So I started working out all the time. I really started taking an interest in my health and fitness and it helped me grow. I think I certainly had times where I went too far as well and it can become a bit too much of that, you know, working out diet culture, everything else. And so by the time I got to college and had decided I wanted to go into music, I really found that I had to look for balance and look for that healthy, balanced lifestyle as opposed to this extreme fitness or extreme lack of fitness in my life. Um, just because it was it was really about how to take care of me best so that I can perform my best on stage and, and be the best person for me and for those in my life. So that was really what inspired me to start talking about intuitive eating, healthy eating and the like. Um, and I was living in the Boston area and, you know, you walk down the street there and you see so many people that just don't have access to food. Food insecurity in Boston is horrific. And so that's what inspired me to start thinking about it in a much broader sense than just healthy eating. So when discussing Sustainable Development Goal 2, um, we talk about the Sustainable Development Goals in every episode, but this is one that I think hits home for a lot of people. Zero hunger is the second goal for the United Nations, and it is a global issue. Um, I was just in Detroit, Michigan for a couple of weeks for a training program for work. And being there within the first 30 minutes, I had to hike five miles into the middle of the city to try to find a grocery store. And the only grocery store that was available to me was a Whole Foods, which is considered widely a whole paycheck grocery store. So as we're seeing the growing impact of climate change, inflation, you know, obviously grocery store prices are getting expensive um, and urbanization leading to food deserts. What can communities do to help support those who are fighting food insecurity and also to fight food insecurity in their own communities? 
I think the biggest thing is getting involved and being aware. It's part of what I'm doing right now is going into elementary schools to tell young kids how they can get involved with food banks and where they can go to donate. So there's two parts to this, right? You need to know where you can donate if you're somebody who's fortunate enough to have that ability to go donate food. And then you also need to have a way to make sure that the people who need the food know where to go get it and have that transportation access to it. And also having organizations involved in those food banks as well. I think here in the Tennessee area, there are lots of grocery stores or organizations that have different food bank locations and they'll have shipments come in every single day. And that's been so helpful. Um, but just awareness is the number one thing. People need to know where to get the food and they need to know that every single time they can donate money or food or advocate, it's making a serious difference in somebody's life. One of the things I like that you talk about, I snoop on everybody's social media before they come on, um, is talking about feeding your bodies. And I know you touched on this a little bit in talking about why this was important to you. Um, but what are tips that you have for people who might be fighting food insecurity and finding that balance between eating well and eating period? Making sure that you understand the nutrients that your body needs and how to get them, right? Because I can tell you to go have a salad with chicken on it, but that's going to be way more expensive than having whatever vegetable you might be able to find and a can of tuna, but both are going to get you the nutrients that you need, right? So understanding what your body needs and how to obtain that is the first step. Um, I really try whenever I'm volunteering at a food bank to help people say, you know, well, here, why don't you get, you know, another peanut butter? Or why don't you get another can of tuna or something so that you have that extra protein in your diet? And maybe, you know, I've been at food banks, which are wonderful and even have like a sweet section where people can go get something for dessert as well. And it's so nice to be able to help them with that. But then you'll also see people go down the aisles and only grab the sugary cereals or something because it's tasty. And I, when you don't have a lot of food, you want to enjoy the food that you have. And no, a can of tuna doesn't taste like Fruit Loops. I will be the first person to say that. Um, but, you know, also explain to these people, I know that that doesn't taste great, but maybe we could do like one bag of the Fruit Loops and get some tuna and this way we feel good. I'm just saying tuna because it's the first thing that comes to mind, but there are so many options, whether it's, you know, beans or potatoes or corn or just finding different ways to get in the nutrients you need. Yeah. So you also mentioned, you know, dealing with body image and health at a young age um, from a doctor's perspective. And, and it, it sparked a really interesting question. I think uh, this is something that we talk often about in, in just society in general, but do you think that current medical systems help or harm those who are dealing with food insecurity? Oh gosh, this is a tough one. Um, I mean, it's difficult when people can't afford healthcare, right? If you can't go to a doctor and figure out deficiencies that you have or just get a checkup when you're not doing well, then that's certainly not going to help you. Um, and if that medical bill is through the roof, well, now you really can't pay for food that you need. Um, so that's certainly not helping it. I think that that's a, a long discussion that would take us a little bit of a tangent out of here. Um, but there are so many sides to the medical system right now. I am a firm believer that doctors deserve to be paid for the work that they do and the studying they've done. Um, but I really think that we need to find a way to help people so that there is not a discrepancy between eating or not living. It's not really right in my mind. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, eating food should be a basic human right, not a privilege. However, unfortunately, I feel like the world that we live in, um, 
basic human needs are considered a privilege. But again, like you said, that's a discussion for a whole other day. Um, in talking about your community service initiative and the work that you do, especially with educating kids, how do you feel that mental health and physical health go hand in hand or how do they impact each other? They're hugely related. Um, one of the biggest things for me is if I'm having a day where I'm kind of down, I was just having one yesterday and I was like all morning long, just everything was wrong. Like my car broke down. It was just one thing after another. Uh, and all I could think is I'm just in this kind of pessimistic mood. I don't know what to do. And I just paused and I took 15 minutes and I did a little hit workout and suddenly I was like, whew, the fog cleared. I'm good. And I can get on with my day. Um, those endorphins are huge and realizing that no matter what else is going on in the day, you just did something for yourself. It really helps to push a person forward and motivate you. Uh, I can't say enough for the correlation between mental health and physical health. When you take care of your whole body, your whole body becomes better period. And when your mental health is better, your physical body responds better too, right? Like when I sing, the vocal cords are muscles. A lot of people don't know this. They are two itty bitty muscles that sit next to each other and hit a gajillion times per second. If your mental health is not great, those tense up like you can't believe and you can't do what you need to do. And that goes throughout the body, right? So clear head, better functioning body, healthy, well-exercised body, better functioning brain. It's all connected. So how do you encourage others to feed their future? What are your tips? What does your process look like for that? So I have this cute little mantra. It's feed your body, mind, fitness, and community. So this idea is being feed your body, and that's different than feed your fitness. So feed your body is like you need certain vitamins and minerals for eyesight, for brain function, whatever, and understanding those, knowing what those are. I have a certainly elementary level version of that for kids, um, but you know, I can get more into it when I talk to high schoolers or adults, which is a lot of fun. Um, feed your body, mind. There we go. Okay, so mind. So cognitive abilities, right? So starting the day is off with proteins and fats, not cutting out carbs because that causes brain fog, not limiting food because it causes brain fog. Um, there's, again, so much to get into there. Feed your fitness, so understanding muscle development, how protein, B12, vitamins, minerals, all of that, how those contribute, and then feeding your community, going in and helping out others that aren't so fortunate to get to come home and pick off the shelf what they want that day to help those functions. Uh, it's such a fun seminar. I have a whole PowerPoint and there's a cute like body, mind, fitness, community thing. It's adorable. The kids are great and they have a really fun time with it. Uh, but it's, it's been really enlightening to see how much people are into it. I love it when people talk about nutrition, especially in situations like this, because I think we get very caught up on the fact that, oh, obviously lettuce is healthier than a potato, but I think people don't realize the benefits of both. And so I could talk about nutrition all day long and the way that it impacts your body. And so I love it when we have people talking about the layers of health and wellness and how it really does all come together. So I, I'm just, I love your community service initiative and listening to it and the research that I've done has been so much fun, but switching gears a little bit, talking about a community service initiative, we're talking about the Miss America organization and the Miss America opportunity. So tell me, what's your story? How did you find yourself in the Miss America organization? So I'll be totally honest. When I started, I had never seen a Miss America pageant before. I, I mean, like I had seen it, like I knew what it was about, but 
I barely even knew that it was still going on today. I just hadn't had that visibility. It hadn't ever been around me growing up. Uh, but I was in my senior year of college and my vocal teacher came to me one day and said, hey, I just found out Miss America is actually still a thing. Um, you should consider it because it's scholarship and there's a huge talent portion of this competition. You're an opera singer. I think you do well. You could get some scholarship. You should try. Um, and I had, I want to say it was like five weeks out from competition. I got my paperwork. I started training like three weeks before. It was so just, I didn't know what was going on. The night before competition, I found out we had to have a social impact. So I wrote my pitch the night before after our dress rehearsal everybody's on stage giving a 30 minute pitch and I'm like what are you guys all saying up there <laughs> what's going on and um thank goodness I had my social media platform because I at least had some sort of mission I was already on um anyways it was a whirlwind 24 hours after that and I ended up winning the title of Miss Boston so that was my first pageant ever uh competition rather but to me it will always be pageant um <laughs> but just such an incredible experience and my manager for that was Francesca Simone who's Miss Rhode Island 2008 um and working alongside her is really why I fell in love with the Miss America organization I think seeing just how empowering this organization can be seeing what it meant to her and what it's provided for her it was amazing I got a best friend out of that as well which was really lovely um, so we trained and I went to Miss Massachusetts. It was great. I won the talent award, which I was very, very grateful for, um, and was first runner up to Miss Massachusetts. So that was my second pageant, um, which was, again, wild. I had no idea what to expect there. Um, but it, it was amazing. And honestly, I would have loved to compete again in Massachusetts just because I made so many friends there, but my career and my life were pulling me to Nashville and I've always wanted to live in Tennessee. Um, I was actually for college debating between Vanderbilt or New England Conservatory where I went. And I knew for my master's I wanted to go to Berkeley, which is in Boston, but everything else for my music career was in Nashville. So I opted to move to Nashville, do Berkeley online for music business, um, and come down here. And I decided to compete again in February for Miss Music City and was very grateful to again win the talent award and win that competition and went on to Miss Tennessee. I won talent and was third runner-up, so it's been a good a good run. I've loved it, and just meeting people and being in the community and being a title holder, it's, it's a dream I never knew I had, you know? <laughs> so what comes next for you in your Miss America journey? Oh, that's a great question. I'm looking at different locals right now, trying to figure out where I would want to compete next year, um, but it depends on a lot of things, right? So I am an artist. I'm a musician. There's a lot of potential things that might happen between now and the time for the next local. Um, so I'm just taking it day by day. I am so happy to still be Miss Music City and be working throughout the middle Tennessee area. Um, but you never know. You know, if I get picked up by an opera company or start touring, it might be a little bit hard to fill my title holder duties. And so I want to make sure that I give it my all and do it right if I'm going to do it. So we'll see. <laughs> I always love listening to people's journeys in the Miss America organization. I've been doing this for probably way too long, but I, I love it. And I, it's going to take a lot for me when I finally do make that decision to uh, either retire or they're going to have to kick me out. So we'll see which one comes first. Um, but I, I love getting to meet women. And I think that was the the biggest point for this podcast was to meet 
like-minded title holders from across the country. Um, and so I'm so excited that we we had the opportunity to chat today and get to know each other a little bit better. But unfortunately, our interview is coming to an end. Um, but I'm going to leave you with the last question we've ended every interview with since episode number one. Uh, and that would be, if you had to give a piece of advice to any young person that wants to create positive change in the world, what would it be? Hmm. Don't be concerned about what somebody else thinks when you try to go do that. I think it's really easy when you're trying to create positive change to get those haters, uh, lean into it and realize that it means you're really doing something great and doing something that's going to help others. I think when you're trying to make positive change, it can create some discomfort for others and that's okay. You need to love yourself and love your mission enough that you can accept that and just part ways with it and keep trudging forward because if you're ready to make positive change, it will expand in ways that you can't even imagine. And in the end, people will come around and they will support you in the end. So just trust in that, love what you're doing and, and trust in yourself for that too. Cassandra, thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing your story. To our listeners at home, you, you can learn more about Cassandra's mission by following her on Instagram at you know Cassandra. Learn more about how you can help achieve the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals by following us on Instagram at Sisters in Sustainability Podcast and at Sustainability Starts With You. Join the hashtag SysPodNation today and remember that sustainability really does start with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.